No, it's not salvageable, but it could at least be fun, you know? And I'm going to put together a way that it could be fun, meaning the remainder of this season. Good morning to you. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. The Pirates are back in action tonight at PNC Park, 6.35 p.m. first pitch against St. Louis. And you're probably looking forward to that about as much as I am. The whole thing, really, in the moment, feels pointless. You know that the moment you walk through those gates, that you're going to see two players in the starting lineup that you believe will be Pirates in the long run. Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, and no one else. At least not that you can firmly count on. But here's what you can do. I don't know. Here's what they can do. Here's what Ben Charrington, Derek Shelton, and everyone else can do. They can put the best possible young players at each respective position, meaning not third base, not center field, And let them have at it, not for our entertainment purposes, not so that you can feel better about your ticket investment, not so that I can feel better about the column that I write at the end of the night, but because it serves them to see more of these individuals, to accelerate their development, and to hope in turn that it doesn't stunt their development. If you see signs of that, that's when the player can go back to the minors. But for the most part, when you look at this 40-man roster, we're not talking about players who are someone you'd worry about as it relates to uh, Super 2 arbitration, long-term free agency deals, and stuff like that. That's limited to O'Neill Cruz and Rowanzi Contreras. And oh, by the way, get them up here as well. That actually might be for our entertainment purposes, but so what? Put together something in the moment, right in front of our eyes, that comes with a purpose, a visible, distinguishable purpose, as opposed to this madness that we watch get trotted out there every night. The Josh Van Meters, the Yoshi Tsutsugos. I never claim to be the spokesman for anybody on any front. But I do feel comfortable relaying my own feeling that there's nothing more dispiriting about this club than to watch the older guys go out there and fail time after time after time. Not only does it make you wonder if the Pirates know what the hell they're doing, it also makes you wonder if they even care about what they're doing. And I really don't think that should be the case. I've gotten to know. Ben Charrington, Derek Shelton, the people above and below both of them. And I don't get the sense at all that they don't care. I don't even get the sense that they don't care about what's happening in Pittsburgh in 2022. But I do get the sense that they aren't, either aren't aware or aren't embracing enough of the notion that someone like a Mason Martin can improve by being in the majors. He doesn't necessarily have to check off every box, 
every single box. And if he does, if that's what's being assigned to him, then explain why Diego Castillo didn't have to do that. Explain why Rodolfo Castro hasn't had to do that. Explain Jack Suwinski coming straight up from Altoona and dropping bombs. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Understand, please, I'm not shopping through the candy store here, and I'm not behaving like uh, an angry fan or whatever, because I do know that the most cliched possible thing you can say in this situation is, play the young kids, play the young kids. I think there's an actual purpose to it. Regarding this specific circumstance, I really do. I think that if you put these guys on the field, these younger guys who understand that they're playing for something other than their next contract or early retirement or paying for the flight back home to Japan, whichever it is, that the healthier pursuit by far is that of the young individual who believes, right or wrong, that he can be or he should be part of this team's future, that they want to make it stick. They want to get to know each other. They want to like each other. They want to play for each other. But they're also motivated to get better for the right reasons. You know where I got this crazy notion from? Yeah, Charrington. He brought this up himself back when he was hired. Now, it wasn't necessarily about the Pittsburgh level, but he was saying that he loves the idea of having younger players push each other at each level, as they're coming up through the system. Well, I'm not going to say that the Pittsburgh level is exactly overloaded, but I don't see the need to hold down the guys who aren't here yet. And I'll tell you what I'm really not feeling, but I suspect it's behind a lot of this, and that's the whole respect for the veteran thing. You know, Yoshi Tetsugo is... You know, 30 years old, he's come from the other side of the world, he had the really nice September, and he carries himself in a dignified way, and you don't want to be mean to Yoshi. You know what? Come on, man. It's the big leagues. It's the big leagues. He's batting 167. He needs to sit. I don't mean to keep pounding that point home. He doesn't need to sit. I take that back. He needs to go to Indianapolis. He needs to be off of this roster. The guy is routinely batting cleanup, and he's got a slugging percentage lower than Cole Tucker's. What is being achieved here? Put together something that looks and feels like it's got a direction, and for once, make that happen in Pittsburgh, not just in Greensboro the way we saw it last year, and then that group moved up to Altoona. And you hear all these people, I hear them down there in Bradenton, they get all fired up over this. The Pirates people, oh, wait, do you see what we're doing in Altoona? How about doing it in Pittsburgh? How about at least giving it a try in Pittsburgh? I understand. Look, I'm not being dumb here. I understand 
what's happening at those levels and why. But I don't think that means that it's okay to relegate Pittsburgh to just being a scrap heap of a bunch of guys all moving their careers in different directions while dragging along Hayes and Reynolds and David Bednar by the earlobes. Let these guys have a sense of collective purpose, too. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for J1Q, and today's comes from Jeff who asks, DK, why do you believe that there must be progress at the major league level by year three of a rebuild? Complete rebuilds take a very long time in baseball, and most players here now won't be a part of the future. Year three of the Astros rebuild was their worst with 53 total wins. Oh my goodness, am I glad. Am I glad you asked this? Because this subject comes up a lot whenever I start pounding the issue of seeing improvement where it'll get condensed to simple wins and losses. Understand, please, I am still not laser-focused on outcomes, on collective outcomes here. What I want to see in year three, and I think this is a very fair expectation and a reasonable one, is improvement as well as the mechanisms for improvement. I want to see players come in from other organizations, prospects who were acquired, younger players in trades, and I want to see them get better. I want to see signs. Those are so scant right now, Jeff, that you can't even hide behind the record that they've got at the moment. The Pirates are 15 and 21, but they have the worst run differential in the National League. You know. You, Jeff, know that this record is not reflective of how bad this team has been. And as such, you know that things aren't getting better in Pittsburgh, even though their wins and losses are pacing to be, I don't know, at least a little bit better or roughly the same as last year. I'm not looking at that. You want to know what I am looking at? It's Bryce Bleeping Wilson, just to cite an example. When you make a trade like that with a team that goes on to win the World Series, and you're giving them a piece that at the time was seen as a pretty big deal, meaning Richard Rodriguez, mind you that what happens to him after that is immaterial, it's what his value is perceived as being in the moment, what his market is, that should have been a pretty nice trade. And by all accounts... Charrington and his entire staff were pleased with the return on that trade and saw Wilson as being a guy who could jump immediately into their rotation and make a difference. Well, he made a difference, all right. He's terrible. He can't get through the fourth inning. Sometimes can't get through the third. Who's getting better? Where's the progress? And oh, by the way, what does that have to do with wins and losses? Very, very, very little. David Bednar, wonderful acquisition. This is your prime example of what you want to see. And as long as he stays away from Oscar Marine and keeps doing his own thing, he's going to be just fine. 
I don't think he's going to pitch like this for the rest of his life. He's going to end up in the Hall of Fame, although that'd be wonderful. But that's what you want to see. That's progress. That's making your team. It's making your organization a little bit better, a little bit deeper, a little bit stronger, coming with a little bit more value. Maybe someday, if it comes to that, you can turn around and get something good for him. I don't want to trade David Bednar either. You get what I'm saying. It's theoretical. But what you can't do here, Jeff, is flatline. You can't flatline when it comes to progress. Now, I didn't follow those Astros. I don't care about those Astros. I hear what you're saying about their wins and losses, and you're not the only one to bring it up. I don't care. I don't care. I want to see individuals getting better. I want to see a sense of direction, a sense of purpose that's formed in that clubhouse. That's not just, oh, here's me and Key over there and these other bunch of guys that aren't even going to be here next year. What's being achieved there? What's being achieved? I've shared with you the story here on this show about Reynolds telling me in spring training, wait till you see that kid. And he points over to Suwinski, who had had no idea even who he was. He's Josh Hamilton out there. That's who he reminds me of. And I had a good laugh about it. And then it turns out Suwinski comes right up from double A. Let's see more of that. Let's see more of that. Can I say something in a kind way, Jeff? Don't dig for excuses for these guys in the third year. That's not exactly productive. They don't need excuses. What they need is to feel pressure. They really do. If you trust me on any one thing, and only one thing that I ever tell you on this show, it is that these gentlemen, from top to bottom, feel no pressure. And that is not okay. Not in year three. Maybe you can get away with it in year two because year one was the shortened pandemic year. Not in year three. You can't just keep getting clobbered by the Cubs and the Reds and everybody just says it's okay. And everybody feels it's okay. It's not. It's not. It's time to show improvement individually and together. And one great way to start doing that is to put together a team on the field, beginning tonight, that makes some kind of sense. I appreciate the question, Jeff. I really do. This gave me an opportunity to go at something I've been meaning to address for a while. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll have another one of these on Monday. Monday.